0: Brad Olson's been traveling the world investigating legends and stories of ancient civilizations and artifacts found all over our planet. And he spent 21 days going down the rivers of the Grand Canyon, the Colorado River, and tributaries, investigating rumors of caves with fabulous riches and gold. So he knows a lot about the Grand Canyon, the legends associated with it, and he's going to be. Today, introducing us to some of these legends, and we're gonna be talking about how these relate to one of my insiders who claims to have gone inside one of the caves where he saw some fabulous
1: things. You're listening to ExoPolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. Well,
0: welcome, Brad, to the show. Well,
1: hey, Dr. Sala, always great to be back on ExoPolitics today, where you reveal some of the great mysteries and wonders of the world that people have a right to know and are good to have a source such as yourself offering that information.
0: Well, it's great to have uh, people like yourself who are very experienced, who have traveled these places and seen them because I do work with a lot of interesting sources and they tell me things. I mean, you've met my army insider JP at a conference in Florida. So, you know, he's he's the real deal. And uh, he's been having some incredible, incredible missions. And he's said that he travelled to the Grand Canyon on a mission and saw things. So I figured, well, the best way to be able to kind of corroborate the things he saw was to have you on the show because uh, really, you know, you've been there, you've travelled there. So why did not you kind of tell us, you know, what got you interested in the Grand Canyon? And And I know you spent 21 days rafting down there. So why did you do that?
1: Well, I just do those kind of things, Michael, just like getting on a sailboat for Antarctica, crossing the Drake Passage. Sometimes it's a difficult going, but it's worth it because I'm a traveler. So I've been to all seven continents and I'm in search of all the great mysteries that are out there, including this newspaper report of the Kincaid expedition about 115 years ago and that was when uh this group went down yep the explorations in the grand canyon and reported on finding these uh massive caves which contained all of these uh various artifacts uh suggesting egyptian but also far eastern such as what was described we would think today of a buddha in a meditation posture but certainly icons of the Far East. So I was very interested in this before I took the uh, Grand Canyon trip in 2003. And because I, I started my career as a travel writer, I was getting a lot of invitations to do press trips or junkets so they're called. This particular one happened to be the full length of the Grand Canyon, uh, dropping in just past Lake Powell and the Glen Canyon Dam driving down to Lee's Ferry and doing the full length for 21 days of the entirety of the Grand Canyon. One of the best trips of my life, I have to say. And that the Grand Canyon is so fraught in mystery, really only enhanced the voyage.
0: Well, I know there are these legends like the um, uh, the seven cities of Chibola. Uh, so what, do those legends have to do with the Grand Canyon? I mean, is the Grand Canyon kind of like commonly known by the, I guess, the Native Americans as a place where you have these ancient cities kind of hidden?
1: Well, let's remember the history of the colonization of the Americas, first by Christopher Columbus and the Caribbean, to be followed by many of the conquistadors, who traveled overland to the lands of riches. And one of the famed locations in the Southwest was El Dorado or also one of the seven cities of Cibola. So they were very interested in trying to find these locations because they already had a good degree of success by looting the Aztecs and then the Incans And so North America was the natural next step when they heard these stories of untold riches and vastness of wealth, particularly gold wealth, Michael. And that plays into the whole Grand Canyon saga is the gold, the gold being in some of these cave systems that were discovered by the Kincaid Party, but also a very large seam of gold which was discovered. And as I was traveling down the Grand Canyon, it is the deepest canyon in the world, and every strata of sedimentary layers is represented in the Grand Canyon. So if you're very interested in the Jurassic period when Tyrannosaurus rex roamed, yeah, there's the seam of the Jurassic era. All the way back to Precambrian era, which is the earliest period of life forming on the planet, but even the black core mantle of the planet itself in one of the rare and only few locations where this is located.
0: So the the gold connection is very very interesting um, because I know there are stories about, of of course, the, um, well, you, you start off with, say, the kind of legends of the Anunnaki mining for gold and it's often associated with South Africa. And I, I know that there are stories about fabulous gold deposits in Romania, in, in bucegi in the bucegi Mountains, that there's uh, supposed to be an incredible gold repository there in the middle of the Carpathia, Carpathians. But now it seems that, you know, the, the Grand Canyon also um, has similar kind of very rich gold deposits so yeah it does does make you wonder whether this is all all being kind of uh, kept secret
1: kept secret for a very good reason and that is if you have a currency taking us up to this modern age that is not uh backed on a asset such as gold uh, you can't compete in the world market of fiat currencies. So that's why every single currency on planet Earth right now is a fiat currency. Even if a basket case country such as Zimbabwe were it to introduce a gold-backed currency, it would become the most sought-after currency on the Forex because it's backed by gold. So you have to have an absolute monopoly on keeping it a fiat system. And that is partly what the uh, central banks of the world have been responsible for. Now, there's this great interview by Bix Weir. It was a presentation that he did at our, an Arcapulco conference down in Mexico a couple of years ago, and then he represented it. It was so popular, he's just brought it back again. And Bix Weir, the way it's spelled is B-I-X-W-E-I-R, and it's on the road to Ruta, but this particular interview is called Facts, Myths, and Legend of the Grand Canyon Gold. And he is making a very powerful point that when this gold was discovered, and it was discovered um, in the early 1900s, and there are headlines from the New York Times that tell of vast riches in the Grand Canyon, man engaged in dredging operations Expect to astonish the world. So one of the. Seams of gold. Ever found. But the problem was getting down in there. Getting way deep down in there. Because the Grand Canyon is over a mile deep. But there is a location. Called Lee's Ferry. Which is just beyond the town of Page Arizona. Where you put in. Where all the boats put in for the raft trip. But just 20 miles past Lee's Ferry. Is where they found this seam of gold. So They had to go to the effort of creating a big barge to carry the gold out. and This was all being reported in the New York Times and other articles saying that we had this problem. The very next year, when the New York Times article appeared in 1912, the very next year, the Federal Reserve was created to, quote, deal with the problem, and that is to abruptly shut down the mining operation in the grand canyon and they created a cover story of a plane crash to close it down so they could get the remaining mining operation out of there and whatever gold had already come out and then also in the following year woodrow wilson created the national park service which nationalized the grand canyon by designating it the second national U.S. national park just after Yellowstone. So by doing a national park in the Grand Canyon, Woodrow Wilson banned all mining in the Grand Canyon. And since then, 80% of the Grand Canyon, which is a vast national park, 80% of it is off limits to hikers. The only reason they use is, quote, too dangerous. And I'll tell you this, too, I gained from the Bix Weir article or is a uh, presentation was that 90 percent of all caves in the Grand Canyon have yet to be explored. So this is just phenomenal that there that there is this vast gold and that um, when we. Go up to the Kincaid article, which was in the Arizona Gazette, not in the Phoenix Gazette, because the Smithsonian had to make a, uh, a statement saying that, oh, well, we looked into all those reports of the missing of the Grand Canyon exploration of Mr. Kincaid, who they say never existed, but then there is evidence that he did exist and you can find him in the newspaper clippings where he's from. And they went on to say that this uh, G.I. Kincaid and the whole Smithsonian expedition was going down there to find these caverns, which contained a vast amount of wealth, including these artifacts from the Far East and perhaps even Egypt. So the natural question is, what the heck are they all doing down there in the Grand Canyon? And the answer was coming for the gold.
0: Very fascinating that uh, King K was able to kind of like find all of this back in 1908 that I think uh, he he was on his own. He he rafted down the uh, Colorado River on his own and he was able to scramble up the rocks, up the uh, canyon walls there and, and find the, the cave uh, that was part of that uh well the phoenix gazette and then after he reported to the smithsonian then there was a second expedition and this time it was headed by uh jordan uh, and and this is where they made well i guess uh, the smithsonian kind of like got their hands on on all of that all of those artifacts and um yeah mummies and uh of of course uh various hieroglyphic uh, writings that all these things were seen. So, yeah, and well, I guess I don't remember the Kincaid expedition talking about gold per se, but nevertheless, the other sources talk about gold in that area. So you would think in there, there probably was some gold artifacts as well.
1: The ancient Egyptians had a land called the land of Punt, P-U-N-T, where they would go in times of antiquity to collect gold. And it was, a, it was a guarded secret where exactly the land of Punt is. Some have placed it in South Africa where there are vast ancient gold mines. Others say it was all the way out to uh, your home country of Australia where in King Tut's tomb and other Pharaoh tombs, they had boomerangs just like the Australian aboriginals used to hunt. The only two locations in the world where boomerangs were ever known to be used in times of antiquity is Australia and uh, Egypt. But if we could just go on the presumption that to go to these great lengths to get to a place like the bottom of the Grand Canyon by an expedition, there would have to be a motive. There would have to be a really good reason to go there. And by going there, to stay there, to be able to survive, to create a, a mining crew if it was indeed the goal they were going to excavate or to create this cave system and place all these artifacts in there. And that's when the Kincaid expedition report is really fascinating because he said it was multiple caves that went into various rows and levels and they were all filled with artifacts. And yeah, it was a massive undertaking to not only just create this cave, but then to put all these artifacts in there. And the big question today is where could this cave system be? And that's why your uh, interview with JP is so fundamentally important, because these are new data points suggesting that this cave system is in there, filled with artifacts. Uh, as many as the Smithsonian presumably couldn't carry out with them, that there still be something there. But it's within a vast cave system that extends all throughout the Grand Canyon area. In fact, the the U.S. Army did a test by lighting off uh, smoke bomb cannons and watching where the smoke would emerge. And in some instances, it was 20, 50, uh, even 75 miles away up on the uh, Kanab Plateau. And then other portions of the Grand Canyon then it had smoke coming out. So they know how extensive the cave system is. So it could be these caves had exploited existing caves and just carved them out. Or uh, were, were boring devices, some kind of uh, subterrane that they use for the underground bases in modern times, a form of technology uh, to put them in there. Because the cave that Kincaid found was way up on the side of the cliff. And Michael, when I was going down there, I, I had a pretty good idea of the location, and we'll talk about that in a second. But there was no sign of it, nor do I think they want any sign of it. Um, and so it's quite possible that they avalanched over the cave so nobody could see where it was or get in there.
0: One one of the things that uh was very kind of clear in JP's interview where he talked about this. Kind of mission where he went inside of the cave uh, and described seeing various things, but he saw these uh, he saw many gold tablets with uh Sumerian writing. He said the walls were covered in hieroglyphics like the Egyptian, but the writing was uh, like Sumerian, hmm. and that these were gold tablets and they were like stacked up or uh, that they were on stands and they weighed about 60 pounds each, and so. Yeah, you know, And that immediately what came to mind was uh, Joseph Smith and the Mormons. Joseph Smith says that he saw these stone tablets. So, you know, what do you make
1: of that? Is that, is that possible? You say gold, eh? Well, that kind of ties it all together again. <laughs> the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. And so if our country were ever to go back onto a gold standard or any country of the world were to do that, Wouldn't it make sense for the government to keep their stash of gold a secret? And that's why it is in this portion of the Grand Canyon that is off limits, that can't be going there. And so, yeah, ancient hieroglyphics, statuary and many different chambers and as well as uh, giants mummified, which we talked about on uh, our last ExoPolitics interview. So you get the giants in the Grand Canyon, too, and some kind of ancient civilization that spent a lot of effort and time to build out this cave system and populate it with everything that JP and others have seen. To the point where, yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's that Buddha-like figure, the one that I've heard and, and is even described in the Kincaid article, uh, with the elongated ears, with the hand mudras, uh, and a seated... Buddha posture that uh, would suggest a Far East influence as well,
0: and of course you have the giants there, which is uh, fascinating. That uh, you know they just kind of like appear again and again um, in these in these many stories. Um, before we kind of like come back to the topic of the giants, I just wanted to bring up the the um, the the. the the crypts or the tombs um, that Kincaid talked about, that he saw these. Yeah, uh, yeah. That the, so you want to explain what, what it was that Kincaid saw in that, in that cave?
1: Well, these would be the mummified giants. Uh, there could also be a statuary of giants, as we know from ancient Egypt to uh, virtually all the uh, cultures of prehistoric time self-aggrandized their kings or themselves or their court. Uh, look at the um, the terracotta soldiers in Cheyenne, China. There are literally hundreds of them, uh, these, these uh, clay figurines. Each one is absolutely unique and individual, as it would have been for each one of those soldiers uh, portrayed in the terracotta soldier. So this could be something similar to that, either mummified bodies or the individuals who were part of the expedition that were memorialized in statuary or could be the bodies that they never did make it out there the terrain is very harsh i'll say this michael extremely hot in the summer very cold in the winter you have the colorado river as a fresh water source but very little can grow down there there's not much soil it is high desert country so the challenge of feeding people that were down there or living there unless it's some exotic source or it came through the cave system is another possibility that perhaps they moved everything in through this expansive cave system that has not been explored uh but they wanted to get the the entrance into the grand canyon as close as they could to the gold seam that that's my uh best interpretation of why it was placed where it was
0: Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things uh, that was kind of like re- very significant for me was, uh, you know, when I when JP told me about his trip into the into this cavern, he said he saw uh, a lot of mummies laid out, and and I didn't kind of like ask him about how they were arranged, uh, but then I read about the Kincaid expedition, and 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 of course it was described that the mummies were kind of like stacked on top of one another. So um, I, I then did a follow-up. I just asked JP, well, how were the mummies arranged? I mean, he did, he still doesn't know anything about the Kincaid expedition. He does now. But after I told him that, after I asked him, he said, oh, they, they were stacked up. Hmm. So that to me was like, wow, that, that he may have been in the same cave that Kincaid had visited in um, 1908. So that's, he visited, he went to in 2023. So that's. What's that? That's 115 years. I, I, I don't know. Has there been, has anyone else ever come forward to say that, that they've been in one of these Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon caves and saw anything like what Kincaid saw? Because it seems to me that uh, JP is the first person since the Kincaid expedition to go into that particular cavern
1: system. And I'd say you're right. I, I do not know of anybody who has penetrated into it in a physical form, but... Being able to astro travel and, and look at it, remote viewing, that is a way of investigating. I know people who have gone down there even illegally with drones and have flown them over. Gary David, uh, Clifford Mahudi, who has just passed but was a Zuni elder, and if they were caught or uh, confronted on what they're doing, he has a very legitimate reason of saying, this is the land of our people. And also in the Grand Canyon system, there is a river that comes in called the Little Colorado that is basically the drainage for the whole uh, Navajo and Hopi Indian reservation land in northeastern Arizona flows out through the Little Colorado River. And three miles from the confluence on the Little Colorado is a big travertine dome made by a geyser. Of mineral water and created layer upon layer. And and the top is a little nipple, a little hole. And that is where the Hopi people have prophesied that they came from. They came from the inner earth, the third world, where they lived among ant people, their words, and came up to the surface in this fourth world in their cosmology of the Hopi people's existence. So Clifford Mahudi going down there is just doing investigation on his ancestors. And there's some uh, some ancient Hopi ancestral Puebloan is the term they prefer to be called, uh, dressing up as the Kachinas, dressing up as perhaps these ant people that they encountered in this inner world. So this discussion of the Kincaid expedition and what they found out there is as much of a discussion of the inner earth And what might be existing including other races that could still very well be there as well as all these artifacts uh, that support the claim.
0: Well that takes me to a very interesting part of uh, the JP mission into this cavern because he describes seeing the golden tablets, he describes seeing the mummies, he describes seeing the hieroglyphs on the walls which which are all what the Kincaid expedition describes seeing. Uh, but then uh, JP says they they continued on into a deeper part of the of the chamber, and they saw a spacecraft, and it was a it was a craft that was designed for uh, a smaller race of people so that uh, JP and the team that he was with I think it was eight people uh, that they had to crouch when they went into that spacecraft. Mm. And uh, he thought it was uh, a prototype for the Ant people because he, in one of his earlier missions, he actually several of his earlier missions, he had gone into an underground civilization occupied by the Ant people. He had met their king, interacted with them, saw how they were uh, organized, saw some of their advanced technologies. So he recognized this craft as belonging to the Ant people. And and so that's that was part of the expedition. And he said that the ranger, the park ranger that was accompanying him, was kind of like a gog at this that he would never gone that far into that cabin. And he saw the spacecraft, and that's why they got the the um, uh, the military to go in because you know they have expertise apparently that the uh, the park rangers obviously don't have.
1: <laughs> uh, that's very very interesting because that also corresponds with what is below the Great Pyramids on the Giza Plateau, and that goes down several layers. It's like Swiss cheese down there with different channels and canals. It even goes down to a water level that Dr. J.J. Hertak even showed me images. It was so huge, the cave system under Giza, perhaps in a similar layout to this, an interesting uh, Egyptian connection, so big, the largest cavern at water level, you could put any Gothic cathedral in Europe and fit it inside these chambers underneath the Giza Plateau, including a UFO craft, which is reportedly down in there too. And uh, Dr. Lerner, who is an Egyptologist who works with Zahi Hawes, uh made a slip up once and even referred to this craft under the Giza Plateau in this ancient underground base so here we are with cave system again egyptian technology and artifacts and uh, a great mystery in egypt they call it egypt gate in this country we call it smithsonian gate because the smithsonian will come in and this is i document this in my book beyond esoteric they'll come into a giant dig site like flip out their badge they will take control here and they confiscate all the bones, all the artifacts, never to be seen or heard from again. And uh, we just got some got word today that there was a Supreme Court ruling. I do want to look into this and make sure that this is correct information. But just the the headline that we were both sent, along with Alex Collier, is that the Supreme Court has released classified documents dating back to the early 1900s proving that this organization participated in a major historical cover-up of evidence showing that the giant human remains in the tens of thousands were found across America and destroyed at the behest of the highest ranking officials to protect the prevailing chronology of human evolution that existed at that time. And this is what we see time and time again around the world. It's this covering up of evidence and this uh, feeling that we can't tell the people of our true human origins, uh, that that we're too immature to handle the truth kind of thing. Well, I think that time is long gone or never even existed, and we definitely do deserve to hear the truth. So kudos to the Supreme Court if this is a real case, and we can have a docket and do some further investigation, but it would be a a case worth hearing anyways, and certainly reprimanding the Smithsonian Institution for all the damage they did and all the hiding of key historical information, like what was found in the Kincaid Expedition, and bringing that to light and letting people understand their own true history. That's
0: amazing, really. I mean, the, the significance of that, I mean, uh, yeah, as you said, we've got to confirm that, but the, the fact that the Supreme Court may have ruled on this and that the Smithsonian was doing something that was kind of like damaging to the history or, or to the national interest by hiding all of this and dumping the giant skeletons in the oceans, I mean, that that's huge. And kind of like... Uh, it's confirmation that you know we're living in a different age now that uh that things that have been covered up by the smithsonian and and i want to get your take on this i mean when we're talking about the smithsonian institution are we just talking about you know like a a philanthropic organization that has a kind of a, a, a board of directors that says oh you know let's let's just hide this and and keep it away from the general public, or are, we, or are we talking about an organization that is pretty much controlled by secret societies like the Freemasons that have their tentacles in all similar organizations around the world to monopolize information, ancient, keep our ancient history hidden from us, and that this Supreme Court ruling may, in fact, be just one more sign that that is coming to an
1: end? Yeah, they are in control of our history. It's just like in George Orwell's 1984, where they were editing out portions of history. You can't edit history. What has happened has happened. That's the truth. But in this warped world we live in, where everything is about controlling the narrative to them, yeah, there is this editing process that if you can control what people think is their past, then you can control them in the present form today. And that, I think, is exactly what they were trying to do by keeping this information out of mainstream uh, education, media, and just by knowing officials in government being able to do something about it. But we're seeing these big changes happening around the world, and this could be one of them to release this kind of information. But, yeah, it's it's absolutely a, a method of control. Because if we don't know who we are as a species, how do you expect we're going to make uh, logical and informed choices about our future? If we can't even tell what kind of technology was used in prehistoric times or how they were able to get to the Grand Canyon and create this, this magnificent cave temple, then we don't even know who we are ourselves. And in some ways, we've gone through a devolutionary process where – We have forgotten, as Graham Hancock says, we're a species with amnesia because we don't even remember our own uh, prehistory. And of course, not being aided at all by these educational institutions, which are more than happy to uh, just parrot the talking points. But I think you're onto something else with the uh, Freemasons, Michael. And in my research of the giants going to all these locations, especially in Nevada, where I now live, in the basin of ancient Lake Lahotan, which was a prehistoric freshwater lake that spanned the whole northern portion of Nevada and up at the high lake level marks, which you can still see the striations on the side of the hills where the lake level went, but at the highest level were the caves, like Lovelock Cave, like Spirit Cave, where they found mummified giant bones. And what happened after they were discovered? None other than the Freemasons. Came in and bought them up, grabbed them up, got them any way they could. And there were rumors, long time rumors, that some of these giant bones may still exist in the uh, chambers, the recesses, the uh, private areas of some of the Masonic temples in Nevada. And I do intend to continue this research and perhaps, lucky enough, could be able to find something. We'll report it right here on Exopolitics today if I do.
0: That'd be great. Um, I know uh, Z- Dr. Zahi Hawass is doing a 23-city tour in the United States uh, beginning in May. You know, which which is an interesting number, 23. It's that number of chromosomes in the human body. It's like, huh, why did he choose that number? And you know, and, and this is uh, to me, you know, when I heard about this and that he's starting off in Phoenix, right in uh, Arizona, it's like oh, okay, what are the chances that we could be in the midst of a process of revealing these secrets and that Zawi Hawass has, is coming to the U.S. to kind of like reveal this because a deal was done, that if he would keep quiet about all of the discoveries in Egypt, when the day would come for revealing what's was really found in Egypt and all of these places that he would be kind of front and center in 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 that revelation so i and and of course and i got this from Elena Danan who has first hand in, in experience because she as you know was was a professional archaeologist yeah. in Egypt at the great uh, pyramid the Pisa, Giza complex there and and she knows for a fact that Zawi Hawas was actually muzzled by the freemasons because i know a lot of westerners think of Zawi Hawass is a bad guy. You know, he kept all this stuff secret, you know. But in fact, according to Elena's firsthand experiences, Zawi Hawass was was muzzled. He wanted to reveal the truth. So to me, it makes sense that maybe as this stuff is starting to come forward, you know, you have JP's experiences uh, on this mission to the Grand Canyon. You have this Supreme Court ruling. So maybe... They're, going, they're in the midst of a reveal of all of this, and he's going to be a part of that. So, yeah, what, what,
1: what do you think? Yeah, and for a while, Zahi Hawass, during the revolution in Egypt, was dethroned, much to the congratulatory uh, sal- salutations of people around the world who thought he was the name and face of Egypt gate, of all these cover-ups. But this would make perfect sense that he would want to be someone who says, no, look, I'm all about the truth. And wouldn't it be interesting if at his first stop, they produce an artifact from the Grand Canyon archives and him being the premier Egyptologist could give us a Johnny on the spot analyzation and say, oh yeah, that's that's one of ours, but somehow it's here in the Grand Canyon. What a great rollout. But Michael, these rollouts do not never happen for a reason. They always have a motive behind it. And what I think is really going on, and this is also with the, oh, the Chinese balloons flown on the country, uh, spy balloons? What are you kidding me? The, the spy satellites are so good, you can see a deck of cards and read King of Spades on it from outer space. You don't need a balloon to do that. And give me a break. They're shooting down UFOs? No chance. They have, as we talked about many times on ExoPolitics, technology in these crafts that would not allow them to be shot down. So I think we're being prepped for Project Bluebeam, this, this fake alien invasion. And there are many steps that take place first. According to Werner von Braun, paperclip Nazi headed up NASA, told his research assistant, Carol Rosen, who came out at Dr. Greer's uh, disclosure in 2001 and recounted this, that he told her back in the 70s that this would be how they get... The world to go along with their new world order agenda. But in the lead up to it, there are several events such as massive earthquakes uncovering giant bones, perhaps, or just a massive earthquake in Turkey right near Gobekli Tepe. Uh, wouldn't it be interesting if they start revealing things about giants like the Supreme Court ruling, all in a ramp up to breaking down people's belief systems to the point where we would believe in an alien invasion, even if it was a holographic display or a second coming also as a hologram to get people prepped this predictive programming of getting Zahi Hawass on tour and him rolling out. uh, I'm sure he's going to have some zingers that he's going to uh, be allowed to present because if he could freely speak, I'm sure he probably would reveal what's down there. And there are pictures of him going into the entrances in the Sphinx, in these underground tunnels that go down into this labyrinth below the Giza Plateau. So, of course, he knows and probably wants to uh, clear his name, at, at least to the degree he can, to say, no, really, I am a truth teller in all this. Then perhaps the Egypt stuff will follow.
0: Well, that's very interesting because I know uh, Elena Danan did say that when she was uh, working in um, Egypt that uh, she was offered the opportunity to to see to go under the Sphinx and that Zawi Hawass did take her down. So he wanted to show her what they had found under the Sphinx, and and um, I, I think you know um, you know she's. Young archaeologist, female, very attractive. So there's no, you, you can understand his motivation for maybe doing that. But she yeah, said no. that at some point, <laughs> at some point, uh, she just started to feel claustrophobic and she had to leave, and she regrets that. But I think it does kind of confirm that, yeah, he he knew about stuff that was found, but he couldn't reveal it other mm. than maybe to pretty young French <laughs> French uh,
1: archaeologists that he wanted to impress. Make the moves on her, yeah. What better way, right? <laughs> He's got the badge, he can flip, you get all access, <laughs> yeah.
0: That's a, a, a same whole story, <laughs> men in authority, right? <laughs> um, so I, 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 I agree with what you said. I, I think this is actually very important. What you, you mentioned, I, I and I think this is the year of a kind of rediscovery where they roll out. These ancient artifacts to prep us for yep. other things that they have down the line, and and I think on the one hand you have the you know the, the black hats, the deep state that are doing this because they want to roll this stuff out to prep people for their false flag event, whether it's an alien invasion or whatever. But then the white hats are doing their thing because I, I think what JP, I mean, and I know this, I mean JP is is being. Allowed to be part of these missions. And then he's being encouraged to tell me to really and to reveal that. And in his interviews, and, and he's got high level military support to do this. So he's not rogue in, in a sense. He's not a whistleblower, even though his regular chain of command uh, are kind of like within the army that are like, you know, frowning at what he's doing. But they know that he's being green lighted by uh, people in the covert branch of the services that that are wanting this information to come out Uh, because, you know, there is a kind of information war. There's a disclosure battle being fought between the White Hats who do want this to come out and, of course, the deep state that wants to control it. And if they can't keep it uh, bottled up, then they're going to release some of it but spin it in a way that promotes their
1: agenda. That's right. And promotes perhaps this uh, Project Bluebeam. Anytime you hear the word blue in a statement, it's related to extraterrestrials. Project Bluebook, study of everything extraterrestrial. Bluebeam, fake alien invasion, using holograms. And this is what I always say in the interviews for people. If this ever happens, you got to remember it's going to be fake. It's going to be the rollout towards some kind of nefarious agenda like the New World Order taking over the world. So we're really at a crossroads right now to in, in a race between understanding this stuff and keeping an eye on on whatever false flag or fakeness that they present versus what is real. And we have to have some kind of uh, rules, for example, the flat earth. I just can't go along with that because I've been down to Antarctica, I've been around the world in one direction. I know it gets colder on both poles and you can't go across Antarctica by plane. Flat earthers say you can't, and I know people that have. So my own firsthand experience and research does provide information towards the physicality of this planet. And by looking at these monuments, wherever they are, in Giza or in the Grand Canyon, there's also quite a bit of evidence for what we're talking about so for example in the grand canyon when when we were prepping for this interview i did these screen captures of the area that is around the crystal canyon this uh crystal creek is where the kincaid expedition went and while there are many tributaries that lead into it and some are very beautiful uh such as the Sipapu or the colorado river that i mentioned but also the, the uh, Yavapai Indian with these emerald green pools that uh, flow out to the Grand Canyon. But on these maps, you can see a lot of evidence for a uh, far Eastern influence. So the place names around the uh, Crystal Creek, Cheops pyramid, there it is right there next to Crystal Creek, right up river is Isis Temple. But also other Far East names, such as Shiva Temple is the name of a rock formation, Buddha Temple, Brahma Temple, Zoroaster Temple, Shiva Temple, Confucius Temple, and then other Egyptian place names like the Tower of Ra. So why go to all the trouble of naming these things of, of Far Eastern origin? And by the way, this is the part of the Grand Canyon that is completely off limits. So when I suggested to our uh, raft operator, hey, we'd love to uh, get out and do a little exploration. Uh, No, no, that's off limits. I'd lose my license if I let you go. You absolutely cannot go. So just like in Antarctica where there are known no-fly zones and no-go zones, same thing with the Grand Canyon. And, Michael, it just smacks to me of a cover-up that they're keeping people out of there for a very good reason as they have something – they don't want us to know that exists there.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that is kind of like very revealing. I mean, those maps that you shared, you know, with all of those uh, place names, I mean, uh, as, as you said, those far Eastern place names, you know, Shiva's temple and Buddha's temple and so forth. To me, I, I look at that and I say, Oh, well, this is, this is the, um, the, the kind of metaphysical law you, that uh, the, the deep state follows, which is uh, you hide the truth in plain sight that, that, that they're as long as they reveal the truth. I mean, you hide it in plain sight, you reveal the truth, but by naming all these places in the way that they did, that it's right there, it's right in front of you. But then they take out all the evidence and then they hide it and they can say, Well, you know, we, we revealed the truth. If people can't work it out,
1: well, you know, we don't blame us for their stupidity. Yeah. It's an occultic way. It's called the revelation of the method that they reveal themselves, say, hey, look at all these place names. We told you where it was, uh, but we're not going to tell you exactly where it was or what it is, but it's an occultic way of in our free will world where every human, by law, by cosmic law, we have the right to free will. We have the right to make our own decisions, but we can be tricked into this false paradigm, and that's what they love to do. They actually get pleasure out of tricking us into this false uh, matrix narrative that they have finely tuned and and have spoken on and pushed down our throat for many generations. Uh, but it's not who we are. And eventually it will break down and fall away. And But in the meantime, we're left with the little crumbs, like all these place names in the forbidden part of the Grand Canyon where the Crystal Creek... Cave system was said to be that you can't go to, but here's all these names suggesting what's exactly there.
0: Yeah, I mean that uh, is is very very suggestive those those place names and Crystal Creek. Um, but in terms of uh, you being able to spend 21 days traveling up the Grand Canyon, in terms of this particular map, I mean just to give uh, the viewers a perspective on on how how much you were able to travel of that. I mean how much of that. Kind of like Colorado River, were you able to travel in that 21 days?
1: Well, we did the full length of the Colorado River um, from <laughs> Lee's Ferry until there was a uh, helicopter pad right before Lake Mead that you, you fly out to uh, Las Vegas Airport from there. Um, but really, we were at the behest of the uh, tour operator who would only put ashore at predetermined destinations. Which never really was any of the places I wanted to go. I did request going up the Colorado, Little Colorado, to see the Sipapu. They said no to that. I wanted to go up Crystal Creek. They said no to that. But at least I got within a mile or two of viewing what that place looked like and and have an idea of what it's like down there. And it's it's very, it's like no other place on earth, Michael. I would say the closest proximity is on the planet of Mars, the, uh, the great Grand Canyon on, on Mars, it's so deep and so vast. If you look at a topography map of Arizona, it just rises up to the Colorado Plateau and then boom, there it is. And the river was formed as the Colorado Plateau was rising, the river kept flowing. And that's how it was able to cut through every strata of Earth to reveal the very black core mantle of the planet which is fascinating and and i've only i've only heard of one other place where you can see that and that's in uh on the uh river flowing down from the sierra nevada that also cuts these very very deep canyons so uh it's also the story of the earth the geography and geology of planet earth as well as our prehistory with what might be found in the grand canyon including Maybe one of the richest seams of gold that is still uh, fully unexploited in the event the U.S. dollar had to move over to a gold-backed currency, that we would have the reserves uh, in the event that uh, Fort Knox has been cleared out of all its gold, that they could replenish those supplies. And I also have to tell you this, Michael, on the the idea of untapped gold reserves, where I am in California – Uh, up along the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. That's where the gold rush began. That is where the whole big migration, the largest migration in history occurred around the year 1849, the minor 49ers, to get there to go mine the gold. And there are many towns and uh, gold strikes, some bigger and some larger. But I went off on my uh, South America-Antarctica trip. and I came back and I was speaking at a conference in Mount Shasta. And while I was away was those paradise fires. Some of the most unusual forest fires where the trees were burning from the inside out, where they didn't melt plastic, but they melted cars to the point where there are pools of metal. And sometimes the trees didn't even burn, but the houses were gone. That was the case in paradise. Uh, which is just above Chico, California. So when I came back from my trip, I was speaking at this conference. Uh, Max Egan was there too. And people were coming up to us and saying, what do you think about this paradise fire? I said, well, I was away. I, you know, I haven't been there yet to check it out. I have been since. And they're not rebuilding there, Michael. These people who got burned out of paradise were coming up and saying, they know that there's an untapped gold field below paradise. And they wanted to burn out the residents and they have not given them the permits to build back. Little pockets here and there. But for the most part, that is still a burned out community. And they wanted to do it as a reserve for another untapped gold source. Is just kind of hanging on to it. It's in your uh, lockbox um, and below where you can get to it real quick if you need to. But in the meantime, they had to clear the people out from claiming any uh, sort of possession.
0: That's very interesting because uh, once again you have the extraterrestrial factor coming in here because uh, there have been several sources that have described paradise as, as being yeah. associated with uh, extra, an extraterrestrial colony there that were rolling out some advanced technologies uh, for the population and uh, for helping humanity kind of like move forward and th- that the fires were designed to kind of like r- remove that colony and and kill a lot of those uh uh, extraterrestrials. Apparently, they were from Proxima Centauri. So mm-hmm. that was some of the information. Uh, several sources have been describing. But but again, it's like it's the the same old story of like, well, you have fabulous deposits of gold. Uh, there seems to be some kind of extraterrestrial factor. You know, going back to the Sumerians and the gold. That's right. Um, you, you go back to uh, the R- Romania, the Bujegi Mountains and the Carpathian Mountains where I- incredible gold deposits, again, ancient civilizations, extraterrestrials were involved with that. So, yeah, so it does make sense that Paradise and, and Colorado, I mean, we already know from JP's experiences that there was this connection between, uh, you know, this fabulous, all these gold tablets that were found there and the extraterrestrial extraterrestrial spacecraft that was there at in that cavern. So again, you know, the gold and the
1: extraterrestrials, that go together. They go together. And let's not forget monoatomic gold too, which is a particulate form of gold. I describe it in my book, Beyond Esoteric, in the chapter on exotic metals. And monoatomic gold, when ingested, can bring people into a multidimensional state of mind. I've tried it, just small amounts. You don't feel anything. It's not a a hallucinogenic or any other kind of mind-altering substance altogether. But what do you do if you've done it enough times? I guess I didn't do it enough time because I didn't experience this. But you can have conscience, out-of-body experiences. And in the very first uh, excavations within the Great Pyramid, while they never found anything hieroglyphic or statuary, in the Great Pyramid itself, what they did find was this fine powder, which, when analyzed, was the residue of using monoatomic gold. And it comes out as an excretion uh, through sweat and other glands. And it was found in the King's Chamber of the Great Pyramid. And it was on, uh, it, it, they still have it in the uh, British Museum, whether they show people or not, I don't know. But uh, the great Egyptologist, Weiss, uh, was the one who discovered it and said that their analyzation was that it was the extract of using this monoatomic gold. So that could be another reason why the Great Pyramid were where it was and once again, taking us right on back to gold.
0: Well, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, Zawi Hawass uh, talked, uh, is going to be doing... Uh, the tour of 23 cities. So that kind of brings to mind the wingmakers material where apparently there was in Shackle Canyon where they found uh, an elaborate cavern complex. And I think that was like 23 chambers. So again, you know, that number, 23, comes up. So Shackle Canyon and the wingmakers material, is there any connection to what we've been discussing in terms of Grand Canyon?
1: Oh, sure. Well, once again, a cave system in the southwest Chaco Canyon, I've been there. It's a beautiful uh, ancient city. Uh, The term used is Anasazi, but the Hopi don't like that term. To them, it's the A word, as we would avoid saying the N word. To the uh, Hopi prefer the term Ancestral Puebloan. So it would have been in the Ancestral Puebloan homeland. And Chaco Canyon was the capital city to this Empire, and there are roads straight as an arrow, sometimes going up and over mesas. Michael, it's incredible the engineering that went into creating the great road system that went to all these other uh, Puebloan communities they call great houses. But Chaco Canyon being the receptacle, but I don't like a, a Washington DC, but post apocalyptic world going back there and finding all the giants in the Smithsonian or something like that. This is was a receptacle of their culture. This was their capital city. And so it would be natural that they would also find a cave system and leave their most valuable uh, repository items in those caves, such as the wing maker material.
0: So, I mean, you did travel to Shaqo Canyon. So, I mean, was it, was it restricted in any way? I mean, can you travel through it? I mean, uh, the wingmakers maker's material, were you able to ever confirm any of that?
1: And having confirmed it, and I'm not even sure where the cave is in relation to Chaco Canyon, but it is an expansive area. Uh, you cannot go into Pueblo Bonito, for example, or the Great Kiva. Perhaps there's an entrance in one of those areas, uh, but you can walk around it and get a good sense for how they used to live out there in Chaco Canyon. Fascinating place. One of my favorites in all of North America. And I wrote about it extensively in my book, Sacred Places, North America. Uh, But but in the wider uh, western portions of Arizona and eastern New Mexico, or I should say western New Mexico, eastern Arizona, is this area of all these Aztec uh, or uh, ancient Puebloan People's great houses, and there are some places that are off limits. For example, where Clifford Mahudi came from, the Zuni uh, Mesa, which is one of the oldest continuously inhabited settlements in North America, they have an ancient peach grove. And peaches did not grow in North America. Peaches came from China, yet they have. This grove of peach trees that grows on the Zuni Mesa that they say is very ancient and was given to them by these ancestors, these people from the Far East that came here. And Clifford Mahuti was no, not shy in saying that he believed that the ancestral Puebloans were actually uh, from Lemuria that came from the Lost Continent before Atlanta. So their history timeline is that old and it could be that these caves in grand canyon are that old too so I, I know you've you know
0: you've been traveling um all around the world and and you've got a good sense of uh, things that are unfolding so right now do you get a sense that you know we we are definitely kind of like uh, approaching some big events in, in terms of revealing the truth of all these things i mean people have been Predicting and waiting for a long time for this, for these kind of like ancient mysteries to be revealed. I mean, do do you think we're getting close to that time? Because it does seem that there is a kind of like an unfolding sequence of events. I mean, those uh, UFO shootdowns, I think, were very important to just like open people's minds. So you know what we've been discussing. I mean, the Grand Canyon, the uh, the, the Supreme Court, JP's kind of like experiences other things that you know of and you've been experiencing, do you think we're getting close?
1: We are getting close and they are doing a little drip, 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 drip of disclosure to prepare people for the much bigger revelations to come. And the the balloons and the shooting down of UFOs, I think these are just staged, getting into the news cycles just to get people thinking about it, just to have the idea in your mind that when they do and I believe it's a rollout and I think it will be scripted, these bigger macro stories that are just going to shock the world and rock us to the core. Uh, And it could come out in Zahi Owas's tour. I wouldn't be surprised if they're propping him up to be the the change director of uh, offering some of these big uh, bombshells. But they're already coming out. And when the mainstream media on Lester Holt a few days ago, talking about a mothership in our solar system. This has never been said before on mainstream media. And where have they been for the last 75 years since the Roswell crash on reporting this? So I think it's all scripted. It's being rolled out as planned. And the the biggest whoppers of all are yet to come. But uh, we're starting to realize that everything is much, much, much older than ever surmised. uh, Not just... 12,000 years ago to ancient Sumer and, and ancient Egypt, but pre-ice age, anti-deluvian, uh, the builder race and the polygonal architecture and the megaliths around the world are great evidence that that a high-tech civilization existed on this planet. So now it's the controlled rollout of this story of this narrative, but it will always fit an agenda, and this is what I think is really important to emphasize. Is not, none of this stuff happens on accident. That These rollouts uh, are coming in a prepared way uh, to be followed up with other disclosures. But as we've been talking about, Michael, we've met at conferences and, and the set of ancient aliens once. We've been talking about this for years. We know the evidence is out there. This, to us, is quite clear. But I think the normies who watch mainstream television that they're preparing them for these big uh, shocks and rollouts to come.
0: Well, you know, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that in my, um, you know, upcoming webinar on on the big rediscovery plan and uh, definitely some of the material you've been introducing um, and discussing, I'll be talking about that. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I think there is a a, a big plan underway to kind of like reveal uh, the truth about uh, these ancient mysteries that have been um, kind of kept secret from us, and you know, I applaud uh, your work over the years, decades, I, I guess, in in like uh, you know, getting this information out there. So it must must be uh, kind of nice to be viewing this um, unfolding. And, and I know you have got like a, a lot of books. So why don't you tell us about your books uh, on the on these uh, topics?
1: Yeah, sure. And I have been doing this for decades now. Uh, I guess I've just aged myself, but uh, some 30 years I've been writing. I first started out as doing uh, travel guidebooks, and I'll just show you the uh, catalog page in the back of Future Esoteric, some of the book titles that I've done, and also published some other authors. But I did these Sacred Places series of books, and that's where a lot of the uh, information that I have on um, the – so for example the great grand canyon great pyramids archaeological sites around the world and while i could just give them a four or five page treatment and maps in the sacred places guide then i broke into the um, esoteric series which i could get more into detail on some of the more profound sites and that is um being what the great pyramids were built for the approximation Um, and all the secrets that have been withheld from humanity. And that's really the essence of what the word esoteric means, is just subjects or information that's known to only a select few. And I think the time has come where we all deserve to know our true history, uh, the potential of these ancient artifacts, which can be backward engineered and used as tools for our modern civilization. And, of course, also, uh, what is coming with uh, contact with extraterrestrials, the whole exopolitical model of humans and our interactions with the space visitors. And I, I do believe that most are benevolent and they do want to see us succeed as a human race. But there's a malevolent ET element that has been on this planet for a long, long time. And they are also part of this controlling the information that gets out and look uh, an ignorant populace is a lot easier to control than a well-informed population so there's a motive to keep us blinded and ignorant to our own past and our own history and that's why i've endeavored to release this three-book book series on esoteric subjects and as we see other authors that i published through ccc publishing information that i feel is very important to get out there and I pick and choose which authors I work with based on the merit of the information they're presenting and the urgency in getting this information out. So that's the confessions of an Illuminati. He, Leo Zagami, lived in Italy, uh, had firsthand experience with a lot of these secret societies, with the uh, withholding of evidence um, and these world control agendas. And a lot of cases, Michael, all roads lead back to Rome. And that still seems to be a seat of power with the Jesuits and a Jesuit Pope and the power and money that uh, this institution has held and wielded their influence. A lot of people don't know that the Vatican City has embassies around the world. They have their own diplomats. What's a religious city? And there it is. There's uh, St. Peter's Square. What's this tiny little Uh, municipality within the larger city of Rome doing with all this power, with uh, their own agents uh, working for and against certain governments, too. I mean, they're, they're very manipulative in what they have done as far as shaping the world, the history we think we know, the spirituality that we think we know, and even in the founding of this country, that the mystery man who showed up, during the Declaration of Independence and screamed, America is meant to be free, was none other than a Jesuit Supreme General named Ricky. That is uh, in this fantastic video by Walter Veith, all about the power and control of the Jesuits in the last five, six hundred years. And if you see that video, you come away with it thinking in no uncertain terms, this has all been a planned agenda. And and you brought up the Freemasons earlier. Yeah, they are part of it too. They're all the Knights of Malta and these certain uh, religious orders within the uh, Catholic Church sphere of influence has been the primary purpose of keeping the world in line with their narrative. And in a way, that's what the uh, Inquisition and... Uh, the Crusades were all about, was to spread this form of Christendom and to condemn those who offered uh, opposing viewpoints, such as the Cathars. There was a whole uh, Crusades against the Cathar, which were mystic Christians. Well, they're all but gone now because they got wiped out. And that's the easiest way to deal with the dissenters, is just silence them, get rid of them. Now, in a modern version, we're getting censored ourselves. So some of these things just come first full circle. Sometimes, Michael, it's funny to watch history unfold and repeat itself.
0: Yeah. Well, well, well thankfully they, uh, kind of like, uh, can, can boot us off the social media, but we're not, we're not being burned at the stake anymore, which is <laughs> <laughs> much better. So, uh, you know, the websites, I mean, I think you got what bradolson.com and you want to tell us your websites.
1: Yeah, bradolson.com if you want to follow some of the projects I'm working on and also my uh, conference schedule. And I do believe you and I will be speaking at the Orlando conference again in October. Great. Danny Henderson putting that one on, the Spiritual and Galactic Informers Connection, uh, third weekend of October. We all hope to see you there. And uh, CCC Publishing is my book publishing website. And that's where people can get uh, my books. They go through my office and I can sign copies for people that way too, if they want to get themselves a esoteric book or all three in the series.
0: Okay. So bradolson.com, that's the place to go. So I want to thank you, Brad, for sharing your, your wisdom, your knowledge of these uh, really difficult topics. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, the field of exoarchaeology owes <laughs> a lot to, to you. <laughs> for kind of like bringing out these incredible connections between the ancient civilizations and uh, the extraterrestrial element and, of course, the the role of secret societies like the Freemasons. So thank you for all your work over the decades.
1: Oh, thank you for having me on, Michael. It's great to know you as a friend and a colleague and someone who is in service to all and helping people unpack and digest this very sometimes complex information but is absolutely necessary for people to really grow into and learn because this is our future. This is who we are as human beings on this planet. You have been listening to ExoPolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com.